Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. Reflections from the Heart is an outreach of Gospel Reflection, a family ministry of Stewardship, a mission of faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join us as we break open the bread of life in the Gospel reading for this Sunday's Mass, as we invite the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers to inspire us today. And now, here is your host with Reflections from the Heart. Welcome everyone to another session of Reflections from the Heart. My name is David Abel and I'm joined today by Cameron Norris. Welcome Cameron. Thank you so much. Awesome, awesome. Everybody take a moment and get their Bibles. We're going to turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 29 through 39. But before we break open the bread of life, let me invite the Holy Spirit into our hearts so that we can see what to see, hear what to hear, and then enflesh the Word of God to the world so that we can be those signposts, those lights that point to Christ and that eternal truth, the eternal exchange of love, which is heaven. In the name of the Father, and the Son, Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Come, Holy Spirit, into our hearts and enkindle in our hearts the fire of your love. Set them ablaze in your love that we may be those true lights in the world, vessels of your mercy, your compassion, invitations to the eternal truth of the eternal exchange of love between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Father, help us be true witnesses to the truth of Jesus Christ and the salvation of souls which, which he came for, each of us, that we may be invitations to the yes of others, and that we all may be joined back with the Father in heaven. So we invite the Holy Spirit into this meeting, give us wisdom and counsel as we break open the bread of life. In Jesus' most precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And Cameron, do you mind giving us a little gospel love? It'd be my honor. Again, we're in Mark chapter 1, verses 29 through 39. On leaving the synagogue, Jesus entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Simon's mother-in-law lay sick with a fever. They immediately told him about her. He approached, grasped her hand, and helped her up. Then the fever left her, and she waited on them. When it was evening, after sunset, they brought to him all who were ill and possessed by demons. The whole town was gathered at the door. He cured many who were sick with various diseases, and he drove out many demons, not permitting them to speak because they knew him. Rising very early before dawn, he left and went off to a deserted place where he prayed. Simon and those who were with him pursued him, and on finding him said, Everyone is looking for you. He told them, Let us go on to the nearby villages, that I may preach there also. For this purpose have I come. So he went into their synagogues, preaching and driving out demons throughout the whole of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. I find this fascinating. Jesus is showing us something here. So he left the synagogue, so he went to church to get filled up, to get filled up. And so he then went on his mission, and he went to the house of Simon, and there was a sick person, his mother, Simon's mother. And so for me, understanding Jesus is showing us there's, there's two types of illness. One is a physical illness, or... There's something where the demonic takes place, which is a spiritual illness. So learning how to spiritually discern that is so critically important in our life's journey 
because, again, we're called to be vessels of God's mercy, compassion, and love. And so for me, learning how to discern between that demonic possession or that demonic illness, which is always caused by portals that we have, which are can be unforgiveness, can be alcoholism, can be sexual addiction, and that which is actually physical illness, which could be, you know, from COVID to you name it. So for me, understanding that and then praying correctly for that freedom for that person is critically important. Yeah, I agree. And um, the Holy Spirit can lead us and guide us as we encounter people and they're asking for help. um, Lean on the Holy Spirit. He will help us throughout that. Uh, The other part, too, is when we see something and we want to talk to somebody, David, this is something that you've taught me over the years. When you want to talk with somebody, start with permission. Start with that opening line of, can I help you with something? There are times where you can start that that discussion and somebody's like, no, 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 let me let me tell you. And, and they have an agenda and they have a motive and they, they just want to go on and they just want somebody to listen to them. That is not the time to interject what you think in the moment is the best thing and start discipling them. Start to tell them what the Holy Spirit is prompting you with. It's important to to gain permission because that is one of the tools that opens up the eyes, opens up the heart, opens up the ears. And the idea, the Bible talks about don't cast your pearl before swine. And even though you might have this beautiful gift, a pearl, that you want to help this person with, if they don't have ears to hear you, if they don't want to listen to what you have to say, it's just as good as dropping that pearl in, in a pile of mud. But when you do ask to say, can I help you with something, then it almost sets the tone of the next of the discussion to say, yeah, please, by all means. Okay, well, now that you have permission, n- now you can continue with what the Holy Spirit's prompting you with. But, it, but it's always good to start that engagement with, okay, Holy Spirit, I want you to lead me and guide me here. And and there's been times where I've asked for permission, and it's almost like they didn't even hear that I'm asking for permission. It's like, yeah, could you just pray for me? And it's like, okay, now I have permission to pray for them. And then at the end of that, I ask for permission again. Now that we've prayed about that, can I share some insights that I have? And sometimes the conversation is like, yeah, I know this, and I know that, and I know this. And it's like, okay, you're clearly deflecting, or you're not even hearing what I'm saying, that I'm asking for permission to help with something. But but those things are crucial. We got to be careful not to just have this heart, eyes, ears focused on Jesus, and as he's sharing things with us, say, okay, because the Lord is sharing me with me about this, now I have to go throw it up all over other people. <laughs> or, or now I have to go hit Fire you over the head. Them. Yeah. It, it, and it, it doesn't just have to be somebody coming to you with a problem. It can be in the everyday. It can be in a meeting. It can be in a conversation with your family. It can be just an interaction <clears throat> with you and your wife. I think the Holy Spirit leads us to these truths but then we have to have a discerning heart to say, okay, Lord, is that something that you're sharing with me so that I can pray for that person right now? Is that something you're sharing with me because I need to help them with that? We need we need to know what our role, what our part is, and it's as simple as 
Holy Spirit, what is my role in this? What, what, do, you, what do you have me to do in this situation? What, what do you want me to do today? And, and oftentimes, I feel like, I don't know how to better explain it. If I get like a download from the Holy Spirit, I feel like it's important to, to go to the Father and say, okay, Lord, I feel like you're talking to me here. What do you want me to do with this? And if it's disciple that person, if it's bring this to them, if it's just sharing a verse, or it could just be something encouraging. But what I'm getting at is open the door with permission, and as the door is opened, lead that person through what you're being led with, which is going to be the power of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, when you share that, you use that scripture verse about don't cast your pearls before swine. And I'm thinking, oh, well, you know, Jesus, why would you call people swine or pigs? But that's not what he's doing. He uses the symbolism of, of a swine, of a pig for a reason. Because what he's saying is don't cast your pearls before people. Here's the reality of a pig. A pig cannot, physically impossible, look up. Their eyes don't go up. They don't look to heaven. They don't look up. So when he uses the symbolism of a pig, what he's saying is people who are looking at everything on a, on a horizontal level of the, of the earth and looking right. everything worldly, they're not going to hear you. So don't cast your, your pearls before them because a pig doesn't look up, doesn't look to heaven. That's and, so, and good. so for you and I, you know, if we're not looking to heaven for that answer, if we're not open to hear that truth, that heavenly reality... You know, you're casting your pearls, what God has entrusted you with, before people who aren't looking to heaven for the answer. They're looking at all worldly stuff. So that that fascinating truth was like, oh my goodness, I never knew that. I always thought it was kind of an insult, but it's right, not. Right. The second piece from the scripture verse that I really circled and, and took notice of is this. They immediately told him. What they didn't do is say, you know what? I got the prayer. I got the this. I can fix it. I got. I. I, I got this. <laughs> Too many times, that's called spiritual pride, and we think we got the power. We can do it. We. We got the answers. We. I know what you need. Stop. Stop. We immediately, in all humility, in our hearts, need to take it to the Holy Spirit. And they could take take it to Jesus and say, "Help me with this, Lord." Holy Spirit. And I did this the other day. Is like. I had three pages of notes that I want to hit somebody with of how they hurt me. And I was going to document it all so they didn't forget it. And then I said, okay, Lord, what would you like me to do? And the answer was simple. I'd like you to pray and ask for the words that I want you to share, and that's it. I went, okay. I said, Holy Spirit, help me. Let me only share what I'm to share. Let me hear what I'm to hear. The meeting was beautiful. The man received the message. I didn't use... 90% of what I had on those papers, but yet the message was delivered to his heart. Mm -hmm. It's so critical because we can take truths and instead of piercing the heart, like the word of God with the sword of truth, we whack off hands and arms and legs and we hurt people. So that surrender in obedience to the Holy Spirit, asking the Holy Spirit to share, share with you what to share and only what he wants you to share is critically important. We immediately take it to Christ. He's been given. We've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit, and then surrender it to the Holy Spirit to share what we're to share, to hear what we're to hear, and then let God do the work. It's amazing. It, it is amazing, and and this scripture is another example of how the Holy Spirit leads us. 
So when they they immediately told Jesus about her, here, here's what happened. He, being Jesus, he approached, grasped her hand, and helped her up. This is not a formula. Jesus didn't teach us, okay, when you, when you, when you find somebody that's sick or has a fever, boom, here you go, one, two, three, right? Throughout Scripture, there's times where he spit in the mud, he rubbed mud on the eyes. There's times where, trying to think of different examples, Elijah had had the guy go dip in the Jordan River seven times, and on the seventh time, he came out and leprosy was gone. There were times where Jesus cast out a demon. There's other times where he laid hands on him. There's other times where he just sent his word right? Or he, he called out to Lazarus, come out. There's never a, a time in the Bible where it says, okay, here, here's how it works with the Holy Spirit. Step one, do this. Step two, do that. Step three. So we have to be careful not to put him in a box, not to put him into a formula that we can memorize. We, we have to be obedient to the Holy Spirit in the moment. So, so your example you have your notes together, you're prepared, you're ready to go. It was so wise. You paused and you said, Holy Spirit, what are the words? And and it's a, it's, you walk it out through a lifestyle of obedience. It, it, I'm not putting you on a perfect pedestal. I'm just saying we have to have that lifestyle. And oftentimes obedience starts with the small things. Um, I, I remember early on when I really wanted to pursue God and it was like, God, you talk to people and I want to be talked to and I see it in the Bible and I see it in everyday life and, and I see these spiritual heroes and, you know, I, I, I want to be on that scale of, of communion and common union with you. I want your Holy Spirit to, to prompt me, to nudge me, to guide me. Um, and I, I remember having this strong impression of, well, I want you to do this simple thing. And it was like, okay, yeah, 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 that's good. Now, wh- when do we get to the big stuff? When do we get to the, to the steak and potatoes? Like, I, 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 want the, I want the big things. And it took a couple days for him to work on my heart, but it, the only thing that would come to mind, whether it was times where I was reading the Bible or spending time fasting and praying and seeking him, it was like, it was like he couldn't go on to the next thing until I I was obedient to the first thing. And the first thing I'm telling you, it was it was so minuscule and it was so small and it was a little bit of an inconvenience, but it was like he wanted my heart to be in this place where he could say something to me and I would be obedient. And even if it was as insignificant in my mind as picking up trash at, at this place where I saw some trash, it, it was it was almost like that was the that was the only thing that was coming to my mind as I'm like, Lord, I want to hear your voice. I want to hear your voice. I, you know, and I, I think it's a precious thing. You have a kid saying to the father, "I want a deeper relationship with you." It's like, okay, um, can can you can you hang your backpack up? It's almost like he wants to start there. I have more that I want to share with you. I have more work that I want to do with you and through you and in you. But can we be obedient to the small things? In the same way, we have young kids. I want to trust them with so much more. But first, I, I'm not going to put the responsibility of, 
of the things that I want to trust them with until we can get a couple of other things down, right? It's like, I feel like I'm a good dad to the kids. I'm not going to dump more responsibility on their plate until I see, okay, now you can be obedient with this. Now you can be obedient with that. And I'm telling you, they're simple things. When we're done with, with dinner, the kids put their plate in the sink. Well, that that took months of little... So, so don't discount the little things that God prompts us with. Don't discount the things that God wants to lay on our hearts to say, hey, go visit with that person. Reach out to this person. Um, go, to, go to this meeting and just have your ears open to listen and learn and have understanding because months from now, you're, you're going to need that, that baseline of knowledge to be able to influence a decision that needs to be made. Don't discount as we get those small prompts, say, okay, Holy Spirit, this might not be as significant as I think it should be, but I'm going to keep the posture of my heart in obedience to my Heavenly Father, and I'm going to do this. Um, So as we open up the Word, and as we look at Jesus' example here of approaching, grasping the hand, and helping somebody up, the end result is that it is the desire of his heart, but the approach, it might look different in the moment. And, and we don't have to, we don't have to do anything outside of Holy Spirit. I want to stay in lockstep with you in this. So show me the first step. He doesn't often show us, here's the first 15 steps. For me in my life, it's like he's a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. The lamp into my feet, sometimes I can see three steps out. But oftentimes it's put your left foot here, put your right foot there. Okay. And as you move that, it's like that lamp to your feet moves with you and you can see others. Uh, It's a wild journey that we're on. You made me crack up a little bit because when you shared the story about picking up trash, Lord reminded me one day I'm heading to Lancaster Bible College for a CEO meeting and I'm driving by this field and it looked like somebody took a, a big big green trash bag full of paper, shook it, and it was all over this field. And I'm driving by, and I hear that still quiet voice prompt me, I'd really like you to pick it up for me. Wow. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. (laughs) I said, do you know how much paper's in that field? Still quiet voice, but it's my field, David, and I like it to be beautiful. Wow. I'm like, Lord, I'm going to late for the meeting. It's the, the CEO's. But David, it's important to me. I pull the car over. I get out of the car. And there I am picking up trash in that field, every piece of paper, because I was asked to. But you see, Scripture tells us when we're faithful in the little things, in those little promptings, then he gives us the bigger ones. So that that did make me crack up. It did. It did. (laughs) And here's another thing. So when we break open sacred scripture, it's amazing how the light of the Holy Spirit will show us different things. So, so many times we think, oh, you know what? When I do this, this should happen. I did it. Should happen. Right. Here's Jesus, who's God. And let me read it to you. He cured all who were sick. Oh, wait a minute. It doesn't say all. It says many with various diseases. And he drove out all demons. Well, it doesn't say that either. It says many. Why? Because Jesus wants us to understand that we're called to do and respond and then leave the results to him. He doesn't say all 
at both locations because guess what? There's reasons we don't know why God allows people to remain sick or people to remain, you know, um, attached to a demon. We don't know. We do our part, we pray, and we let it in God's hands. So, I mean, that's important to me because it doesn't say Jesus, who is God, drove out all demons or cured all who were sick. There's reasons far beyond our understanding. His thoughts are far superior to our thoughts. We need to be okay. Say, you know what, Lord? I did my part. I now give it to you. I surrender to you, and I trust in you because you know at the end result what you want. That's so good. Um, So, again, we're in Mark chapter 1. Verse 29 through 39, it starts with, on leaving the synagogue, so in the previous uh, verses, it was about him being in the synagogue, and it says, on leaving, this is the next place he went He went to, and then the end of what we're reading, when they were, his disciples were talking to him, Jesus said, let us go on to the nearby village that I may preach there also. What, what I see in this is, you're always moving. I'm at the one place, I go to the next, I go to the next. We have to be careful not to, so just backing up a few verses from this, Simon and those who were with him pursued him, and on finding him said, everyone's looking for you. If we know what our assignment is, if if Jesus' assignment is to go to the next nearby village so that he can preach, we don't have time to go back in where everybody's looking for us and, and, and I, I don't know what they were looking for. Oh, to give us high fives and kudos. Yeah. Woo! Wasn't that we got amazing? The, yeah, woo! Yeah, yeah. So I think it's important. And again, the lamp into your feet and the light into your path. If you know what your assignment is, your assignment, or if you don't know what your assignment is, I'd, I'd like to share that your assignment probably has something to do with continuing to move forward. It, it doesn't have to be with... It's it's most likely not getting to a place and sitting there and getting comfortable and, like you said, high-fiving. It is, I was at the synagogue, I left the synagogue, boom, I'm at this house. After this, people were lined up at the door, I did this. Hey, everybody's looking for you. Oh, good to know. Let's go to the next place. It, it's like you couldn't deter him from his assignment. If If we know where we're going, if we know that there's something that God wants to use us for, it is probably tied with movement. It's it's probably tied with, okay, we did something here. Now what's next? Now what's next? Now what's next? I think he does. I think he wants to continue in all of our lives. Here's the next thing. Here's the next thing. It, it, it's part of how he works with us. Well, it's important also because the sentence before that is critical. Rising very early before dawn, he left and went off to a deserted place where he prayed. So he just did the driving out of demons. He just cured the sick. The town's looking for him after that, you know, woo-woo. But what does he do after he does all this, performs these miracles? He goes off to a quiet place, and he takes time in all humility and thanks the Father for choosing to use him, for allowing him that gift of expelling the demons, of curing the sick, He doesn't own it himself. He doesn't pat himself on the back. He doesn't say, look what I did. And and this is important because humility, the pathway to heaven is paved with the stepping stones of humility. I didn't do it because Jesus knows, just as we need to know, 
that spiritual pride is absolutely one of the worst of all prides. The moment you think you did it, and you don't give the credit to God for choosing to use you as his hands, his feet, his voice, and you take the credit, you rob and steal from God, it's called spiritual pride. And it has taken down bishops, pastors, popes, people all over the world who had gifts pride slips in. Yeah. And, and I remember forget Bishop Rhodes told me that one time when I met with him and share with him, he said, David, you could be glad that spiritual pride did not slip in. Wow. Because that would have been your downfall. Wow. And I'm like, whoa. And I didn't understand how deep spiritual pride goes. So this is a key. Because then after he does that, takes time with the Father, thanks him in all humility, there's the temptation. Hell, yo, yo, Lord, everyone wants to give you high fives. Everyone wants to thank you. You're a hero here. Stay here and receive all this glory. Right. He didn't do that. No. Nope. He kept moving. No. Nope. And the mission, commissioned, what he was chosen for, the salvation of souls, and to go to the next town to preach the good news of the gospel. Yeah, that's so that's so precious. One of the things that fascinates me, if you think of all of the things that the disciples got to see as they walked with Jesus for the, his, that time frame, three, three and a half years, healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons, all of the things. It, it, it says there were so many that the books couldn't contain it, right? That's one of the mm -hmm. scriptures. What are the things that the disciples, at least that's written about in the Bible, in scripture, what are the things that disciples asked Jesus to teach them? And the only one thing that they asked Jesus to teach them Teach us how to pray. pray. They didn't say, teach us how to do that thing that was awesome in that village. Teach us how to do the thing you did in the synagogue. It's almost like they had a sense that the power that they saw in public, they knew that it came from this place of prayer. Because otherwise you would say, hey, teach us how you did that thing to that lady. Teach us how this. But instead they said, will you teach us how to pray? And over and over and over, as Jesus is going from the synagogue to the house to the next village, he's constantly getting away. He's getting alone with the Father. And the key to the prayer is this. It's our Father. Jesus is saying, listen to me. I'm going to teach you how to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. But listen to the next words. This is Jesus. Thy will be done. Jesus came to do the will of the Father. You and I are called to do the will of the Father. Ask him every day, Father, what do you want me to do? God bless each and every one of you. Have a great day. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, please consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For more information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, and to learn about all of the family of ministries, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org or call us at 717-367-0100. Stewardship, a mission of faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. 
If you've enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider partnering with us by making a tax-deductible donation by visiting stewardshipmission.org or call us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of all of us at Stewardship, a mission of faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.